This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual. Episode number 47, Bill Zadick. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting coaches and parents who help our children succeed on and off the field. Each episode, our host, Jim Thompson, Executive Director of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by some of the most influential players and coaches to share their thoughts and experiences with responsible coaching and responsible sports parenting. In this episode, Tina Sire, Chief Impact Officer of Positive Coaching Alliance, talks with USA Wrestling National Freestyle Development Coach Bill Zadick. As a parent or as a coach, uh, you know, you promote the positive values that you want to instill in your athletes and in your in your children. Character and value and integrity and, and, and all those other things as well. Bill shares his personal experiences as an Olympic athlete and as a coach on several different levels, including his experience with Dan Gable and John Smith. He also discusses the importance of patience and a coach's role in developing youth athletes and what makes a great leader. Bill, I want to start off by introducing you to our responsible sports audience. Bill Zadick is best known in the wrestling community for his 2006 Freestyle World Championship at 145.5 pounds and for his 1996 NCAA Championship. During his career at the University of Iowa, Bill twice won All-America honors wrestling for the legendary coach Dan Gable. Bill and his younger brother Mike, who won a silver medal at the 2006 World Championships, were raised in Great Falls, Montana. At the local high school, Bill won four state championships, each in a different weight class. In 2010, Bill joined USA Wrestling as the National Freestyle Developmental Coach. He also coordinates educational and professional development opportunities for the wrestling resident athletes. Bill, thanks for joining the Responsible Sports audience and me today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm hoping you might be able to kick us off um, by telling us a little bit about your upbringing and, in particular, your relationship with your brother, who I know was also quite an accomplished wrestler. Yeah. Um, so uh, my dad um, was a wrestling enthusiast. He had started wrestling late in life. I guess it started uh, Montana. had high school wrestling when my, my dad was already in high school. So he kind of started late and just had a passion for the sport. He had done some coaching uh before uh, my brother and I were born and then he was in business so when I came along my dad was a wrestling fan we attended a lot of wrestling meets as I was growing up and then uh uh I kind of started wrestling um almost by accident probably not really but um I thought I was getting a certificate to go like a ticket to go watch a meet and it was actually uh a slip to start with a local club I jumped right in I enjoyed it, had a lot of fun, and uh, I loved it right from the get-go. And uh, I'm five years older than my brother, so I started about when I was five. And then, uh, so I was about 10 when my brother started wrestling at five. And uh, so he was just kind of thrown in the mix a little bit. I was I was uh, maybe a little more uh, intense or gung-ho about uh, competition at a young age and Mike um, he's a lot more happy-go-lucky and, and, and jovial so um, yeah we, that's kind of how we started and uh, 
both had, you know, a reasonable amount of success as youngsters and just enjoyed what we were doing. And our dad was passionate about helping us. And, and, uh, we had a very, very good relationship, um, all the way through. I have a very supportive family, like two sisters and my mother that were, uh, just couldn't be bigger fans of all of us. And, uh, they certainly sacrificed a lot for us too, but, um, so my brother and I, being five years apart, um, we were on the same club team, but we were never on a scholastic team together, whether junior high, high school, or college. And growing up, even though we kind of followed a similar path, um, I would say, obviously, the high point of our career was being on a world team together, which was the first time we were ever on a team officially together. And then both winning medals at the World Championships was uh you know very exciting for us and for our family was you know a, a big accomplishment a wonderful life highlight for your family i guess um one question i have you sort of described yourself as being pretty intense about your wrestling from a a young age do you have any advice that you would give sort of our responsible sports parents about how to handle that when they do have someone who's sort of innately intense about their sport as a kid, and did your parents do anything in particular that you think helped you through your sports experience when you came from that perspective? Um, yeah, you know, and I get, because I'm the national development coach, and that's my specific area of focus within our uh, wrestling community, I get questions like that a lot, and, and I think that um, the sport, and sports in general, I think, always want to be presented in a fun manner, an entertaining way, and and you you focus on the the goods of what athletics does in general um specifically in wrestling um competing is all about overcoming adversity and um my my advice would be to promote those ideals and then and do those things in a fun manner where you're fostering a a passion for the sport in the individual so the youngster as they're coming up, they enjoy what they're doing and they're having fun mm-hmm. and it fuels their own love and, and desire to be good. And then I think the, the real exceptional competitors in any sport, but specifically in wrestling, they have a unique commitment and, and that comes from within. And I don't think you can implant that. I think you can create an environment around that person that they enjoy what they're doing and therefore they want to be very, very good. And then as a parent or as a coach, uh, you know, you promote the positive values that you want to instill in your athletes and in your, in your children, character and value and integrity and, and, and all those other things as well. So Yeah, well said, well said. So it sounds like your dad was really was passionate and had that wrestling background, and you said your mom was also really supportive. Were there specific things that you feel like your mom um, brought to the table around your wrestling to, to support you and to support your brother um, to, you know, that, that helped you get to the level you did? For sure, for sure. My dad, um, he was, a, he was a, you know, after my second year of wrestling, he took over as a coach. And so he coached my brother and I, and he mm. pushed us in a lot of areas, you know, physically and competitively. Um, one of his, my father's geniuses was that he knew he didn't know everything, so he mm. worked very hard at getting us access to the next level of education, technique, mm-hmm. training. And our mom really is kind of the rock of the family and, <laughs> and spiritually, um, emotionally was just always there, supportive, 
happy to help. Um, sacrificed a ton to get my brother and I from school to practice, from practice mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just the rigors of training and running around with with four children and, and managing my brother and I, getting <laughs> us, you know, to where we need to be as well as my sisters. And uh, so she was just kind of uh, quiet and laid back, but a very strong emotional support for all of us. Wonderful. Wonderful. I've only got two little guys. I can only imagine what it would be like with four. Um, Wonder Woman there. Um, So I want to sort of take a focus at your high school time, which, you know, four state championships, incredible, amazing achievement. And um, it's clear that from a young age, you know, you were really dominant. And I'm curious, like, what was it that kept you sort of hungry after experiencing all that success at a young age? Um, How did you not sort of become complacent and really sort of keep the fire for the sport even after so much early success? Um, I I guess right from the start, um, you know, one of the things that my dad did was helped educate me on what the highest level of our sport was. So... Um, even though I started at five, I would say pretty soon. I mean, probably even the first year I was starting to understand the Olympics, mm-hmm. what the Olympic movement is, the world championships. And I, I just was really interested in, in that. It seemed so big and so exciting mm-hmm. that I, you know, once he presented that stuff to me, I was just hungry to learn about it. Mm-hmm. So... Um, maybe by the time I was eight or 10 years old, I already had this in my mind that, you know, I felt like this was my destiny. I want to be an Olympic champion. I want to be a world champion and be the best that I can be. And, uh, so as I started to formulate those type of goals, um, with my father and mother's guidance, putting a plan together, well, these are the stepping stone markers that I want to make. I want to, you know, I want to be a, uh, a state and national champion in the kids' age categories, and mm-hmm. then I want to be a high school state champion. And not only that, but, you know, just not being arrogant, but being as optimistic as possible. Set your goal as high as high as you can envision, mm-hmm. as high as has been done or, or higher than what's been done, and, and really shoot for the stars Yeah, in a way that um, will propel you to greatness. So even though, you know, uh, being a four-time state champion was a goal for sure. Mm-hmm. Probably in junior high, and I trained very hard, um, you know, as hard as I'd ever trained at that point to accomplish. And winning as a freshman was a big stepping stone in that, and then winning, you know, each subsequent year. But then having accomplished that, um, having that longer view goal of being an NCAA champion and a world champion, Olympic champion, uh, I, I just realized those were stepping stones mm-hmm. to, to, you know, bigger things. So it always kept me hungry and looking kind of my eye on the horizon and, and being excited and fulfilled about the right now, but also looking down the road to uh, keep yourself motivated. That's great. That's great. Um, so so some of the, the other wrestlers that we've interviewed – they talked a lot about sort of looking forward certain greats in the wrestling community that they wanted to wrestle for and, and really looked up to as role models. You know, we hear a lot about Dan Gable, um, Cale Sanderson. 
tell us a little bit about what was involved in your thinking um, before you ended up at Iowa. Um, I guess it was kind of similar as I started to learn about the sport in the highest levels and, and who were the, the greatest wrestlers of all time. Uh, you know, Gable is obviously, you know, one of the names that pops up right at the top of the list. And so, you know, um, especially being in Montana where there wasn't a whole lot of uh, access to the higher levels of wrestling, mm-hmm. we really had to work hard mm-hmm. to, to learn about it and yeah. understand what it was. So he was somebody that I studied as a competitor and mm. his legendary work ethic and commitment. And uh, then, you know, his his success on the international level and as a coach. So yeah. as I was growing up, of course, Gable was, you know, in the the peak of his coaching career. And uh, so in the, in the media and the national publications, I was always able to follow him. And, and it just seemed like everything he did as a coach only enhanced his his legend as a competitor mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another guy was John Smith, who was in the peak of his career, probably as I was in high school. And uh, he was, you know, they were the greats of our sport at that time. And so they were people that I tried to emulate and learn from in how they did things, you know, technically, tactically, the, you know, training methods and those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just like, like, in any endeavor, you, you look at people who are successful before you and try to emulate the things that they did positively. I, I, imitation is the best form of flattery, right? Uh, yeah, that's what, that's what the saying is, I guess. Excellent. So, so then you actually got to wrestle for Dan Gable, and I'm curious if you could tell our audience a little bit about what that experience was like, having him as a coach. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. Um, you know, uh, Obviously, by what I've said, he just had this iconic, legendary status. And when I, when I was coming out of college, I, you know, was really excited. Or coming out of high school, I was really excited to be recruited and and wrestle for Gable. And uh, you know, it honestly took took me about two years to kind of catch my breath when I was there because I, I he was like a god to me. He was mm. just this. I was in awe of him almost every waking minute of the day, and I. I kind of followed him around all the time. When I wasn't in class, I was hanging out in the office to the point where he had to kick me out a little bit, and <laughs> make sure I was getting my homework done. And and uh, I just was trying to soak up everything I could and learn from him. And uh, his his intensity is uh, is unusual, and his passion for the sport of wrestling. And he's not the he's not a real rah rah yell and scream and and in your face kind of coach, he's very, um, I would say methodical and he Mm -hmm. is quiet and he keeps this aura of, of, uh, his persona around him so that, you know, you just always want to impress him. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I probably was the biggest value to me is Gable tries to implant independence in Mm -hmm. his athletes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, not only teach you how to wrestle and train you, but teach you how to wrestle and train yourself. Mm-hmm. And it probably goes back to the things I said at the very beginning, is that's how you draw the, the highest levels of success from individuals mm-hmm. is when it comes from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's very smart technically, tactically. Um, he has a legendary work ethic. Uh, 
but I think that was um, one of the secrets to his success as a coach is he was able to do that with so many people and such a broad spectrum of individuals is to get the most from themselves. You know, I, I probably wouldn't be the competitor or the coach that I hopefully will be, you know, without the lessons I learned from Coach Gable. Yeah, yeah. You know, within our responsible sports program, we often talk about the best coaches, um, not just teaching the, the skills and the strategy of the sport and, you know, making people great wrestlers on the mat, but also making them better people and actually teaching life lessons that go beyond the sport. And um, you were certainly alluding to some of these things there, but what are some of the life lessons that you feel like you've learned, you know, from coaches like Dan Gable or from being involved in wrestling that you really feel like go beyond the mat? Um, I, I would say uh, integrity and accountability, probably two, two of the most um, important uh, because I think they impact everything else we do. Um, integrity is, is integrity to ourselves, integrity to uh, others, integrity to the goals that we've um, set before ourselves. And if we, we keep those things, um, you know, in mind, I guess, kind of eyes on the horizon always, they will, um, in, in general, they will steer you the right direction. And, uh, you know, the nature of, of being a world champion or an NCAA champion or an Olympic champion, it's a very demanding thing. And, and you must, you know, you must have the integrity to your dream and your goal. And then that, you know, obviously is the next step is accountability. Are you doing those things? Are you living up to that dream? Are you accountable for the right actions that are, are moving towards the positive solution for uh, your goal and your aspirations, whether it be on the wrestling mat or in your personal relationships with your, your family or your friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those, those are big things. You know, I think um, there are things that certainly have helped me and guided me and, and through tough times, especially through tough times when you're not realizing exactly what you want. Um, it's kind of the a bedrock and foundation that you can look to to get you back on the right track. Great, great. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit, I mean, you have this unique opportunity of working with so many of the athletes at the highest level of your sport. And I'm curious if there are common character traits that you feel like you see in some of these athletes who have, have made it to the top. And, um, you know, in particular, I think our, our responsible sports listeners would sort of love to get an insight into, um, you know, some of those common character traits of, of your most elite wrestlers. Yeah, you know, um, interestingly, as I wrestled for Gable and had a lot of uh, impact, you know, from him, um, I had watched John Smith a lot, mm-hmm. and they um, they wrestled vastly different styles each as competitors. Mm-hmm. But once I graduated college and was on the international level and now coaching, I've had a lot of opportunity to be around John mm-hmm. and learn from him as well. And it's it's uh, striking how how similar they are in their thinking. And uh, you know, there, there's. There's many different ways to be successful, and, and those those two men are, are great examples. They were each successful with their own different style. Mm-hmm. But their attitudes 
and certain things are very similar. And I think with, uh, you know, the successful businessmen I've been able to be around, Mm -hmm. the many successful athletes that I've been able to be around, the one thing that strikes me most is they have an unusual level of commitment to the point where some people, it's almost uh, unnerving or or frightening. They're afraid of it because it's, to some degree, it's the unknown. Mm. That you care so much about something that you just, you commit wholeheartedly all of your person, all of your energy to finding positive solutions for whatever your goals are. Yeah. And uh, certainly with Coach Gable and and John and other greats that have been in our sport, uh, Kale Sanderson, what he was, you know, able to do as a collegiate athlete and then transfer that right into um, international success. There's just an unusual level of commitment to to uh, becoming better. The the thing that really stands out to me from what you said is, you know, they're totally committed to finding positive solutions. And I'm curious when you're coaching wrestlers um, and they hit a wall or they're just they're having trouble getting, you know, learning a new move or they have a common mistake that they keep making and they can't get past it. Um, what do you do to help them pass that mistake and to help them find that that positive solution? Um, that, that's, a, that's a great question. I think a lot of it is focus and learning how to focus properly. Um, and, and I use the word positive because, uh, because our sport is very difficult, it's very physically demanding, which then also makes it very mentally demanding to be able to, you know, rise to the occasion and push through uncomfortable situations. Sometimes when we have setbacks, we're focused on the negative. We're focused on the failure instead of um, focusing on what we can continue to do better. And I I just feel that um, the nature of exceptional accomplishment is so difficult that you need to direct all your energy in a positive way to Mm -hmm. find a solution. Mm -hmm. And, And a lot of times it's just learning how to focus on the right thing. And then as you focus on it, it will lead you that direction. And that's, you know, I think we can make that choice in our, in our mind. Sometimes you just need to make an athlete aware of that. And, you know, they're used to one thing or they've been brought up in one system. And you make that, you know, initial awareness and then continue to remind them until they can do that themselves. Yep. And then when they hit a wall or they have a difficulty or maybe they're just not having success in one position, they can focus on, okay, I need to do this. And you, you, you take 15 minutes extra a day or an hour a day or whatever it takes to, to work that out. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. I think often coaches, um, they feel like their role is to point out what's being done incorrectly and not providing sort of like the path to what needs to change and really focus on what could be done better. Um, but <clears throat> that's a, a wonderful point. Um, shifting a little bit to some really specific advice um, from you to our, our responsible sports coaches. Um, occasionally coaches, whether it's in wrestling where they need to approach the table or you know, in, in different sports where there may be an instance where they want to talk to the officials, um, what advice would you give coaches um, when they feel like they do need to approach the officials in their sport, um, you know, and especially in, in a wrestling context, if they feel like they need to approach the table to ask a scoring question or something like that? Um, 
You know, I think wrestling is very intimate sport, and it mm-hmm. becomes very personal, even even as a coach or a family member. Yeah. And so it incites a lot of passion. Um, I would try um, as hard as I can to um, do the same thing and, and focus on the positive. So um, be humble, mm-hmm. be respectful, yep. and and try to form the question or or ask the question or mm-hmm. make the point in, in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. And I guess just the old saying of uh, you catch more bees with honey than vinegar. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I think if you uh, try to conduct yourself in that manner, you have a lot better chance of getting the outcome and the solution that you want, and you draw the good out of people as opposed to, you know, coming with fire and, and brimstone. You might not get the results that you want. So uh, I think, you know, I'm certainly not perfect, but as much as I can, I try to be that way and and uh, I guess that's how I would advise. Great, great. Um, so, so just last week, in fact, I was talking to some parents who have a freshman in high school who's wrestling, and he's he's very new to the sport. And um, they were telling me that on you know days where he has matches, that he'll often skip breakfast, and that he's really concerned about making weight. And I'm curious what advice you have for responsible sports parents when, you know, they hear this from their kids or they're concerned about their kids, you know, doing some things to try to make weight. Um, how would you tell them to handle that particular situation with their, with their child? Yeah, in, in, uh, in any weight class sport, you always see that um, guys maybe trying to skip a meal to, to uh, make things easier. And uh, I, I would just really caution against that, especially with young kids. They need their nutrition to grow and develop physically yep. and cognitively the right way. And if you think of our body as a machine or an engine, uh, you have to have good fuel in to get good results out. Right. And even when you're trying to um, lose some weight, uh, you got to fuel the body. And it's much better to eat. Maybe you, you know might have to decrease your portion size and just be responsible in that in that mm-hmm. area. But then you're gonna have more energy to work mm-hmm. and working to to, you know, reduce your weight is far better than starving. And uh scientifically speaking, you're gonna recover better after a weigh in. You're gonna be able to take food and nutrition back in your body and your body's gonna accept it quicker mm-hmm. and it's gonna get down into your cells where it's actually doing you some good when you go to compete. Whereas if you deplete your system to the point where, uh, you know, you're skipping a meal or something like that, when you go out to compete, you might be able to get that food back in your belly, but it's not down at the cellular level um, where your your body needs it. You know, I, I like the engine analogy because you have to have good fuel in your body to be able to work, whether it's working to compete or working to get your weight down, mm-hmm. um, you got right. to have the fuel, you got to have the right things in your body to get the right things out of your body. Great. Um, so, so Bill, I just have one last question for you. Um, I know that recently you led a wrestling clinic in Newton, Connecticut, um, in honor of Jack Pinto, um, a young wrestler who 
um, was was tragically slain in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shootings. And I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about USA Wrestling's role in that clinic and um, tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, um, you know, I was I was really honored when I first heard about it. The uh, you know, obviously it was a national tragedy. And uh, when we found out that one of the, the youngsters was a wrestler, even though he was, you know, brand new to the sport, it was, his, I think, his first year, um, he he had a, a passion for wrestling. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, some people ask the question, uh, are, you know, those people drawn to wrestling or is wrestling bring that out of people? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. But I think the when... Uh, this opportunity was presented that um, the state leadership in Connecticut wanted to do something to honor the family. Um, I was immediately interested. And to me, it was less about the instruction. I think we're going to have you know a great time. We're going to learn some good technique. Yeah. But it was a show of support to the community and for the, the people there that are going through unspeakable tragedy yeah. to try to be um, uplifting and honor the spirit of uh, what our sport is, tough and strong and hardy people, as well as the spirit of Jack Pinto and his family and, mm-hmm. and the whole uh, Newtown community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if we can use our sport to do good things and be a bright spot in the community at, at, a, at a time like that, that was... Um, that was why I was interested, and they were very gracious and hospitable, and it was, um, in, in spite of what was going on, it was very good to be there and be with those people. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you're, you're giving me goosebumps talking about it. I think we're really privileged as coaches to be able to go in and do that sort of thing, and uh lead that community in that way and honor Jack in that way. And I just, I wish he could have grown up to be, uh, to have many more years of wrestling. Um, Bill, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us today. I think you brought up a lot of wonderful uh, points for responsible sports coaches and parents, and we can really learn um, from this interview today. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. To learn more about responsible sports, including downloading valuable tools on a mastery approach to youth sports that includes creating a commitment to learning, visit responsiblesports.com. You'll find helpful responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.